Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm going to be talking with uh, Larry Higgins. This is such a uh, this is such a cool video because it was streamed live on his YouTube channel, and then now it's now it's on my channel. And we're just talking about comics. He was asking me questions. I was asking him questions. So this is a super awesome video. Uh, check it out. Here we go. You're listening to Draw and Talk, a show about indie comics and making comics, with your host Tyler Carpenter. And uh, I got to tell you something. I'm here with someone really, really cool. Uh, I've talked to this man uh, on more than one occasion. The first time was probably a few years back now. But I am here with Tyler Carpenter. Uh, this is really supposed to be him interviewing me, but I think it might be uh, you know, a little bit of both happening here. But Tyler, man, uh, what's going on, brother? Give you a little bit more centered there. Boom, I'm here. Yeah, let me center myself more. Um, I'm here. I am live um, with Larry. Yeah, I think we talked. You were like one of like my first people I ever talked with. On uh, and that was, well, back then it was called Talk Comics. That was the channel I was telling you about off air, where we were like close to 500, and I was doing all these you know creator interviews. And I really missed that, but I've been watching you, man. I've been watching you a lot lately, and I didn't realize the amount of content that you actually have on your channel, and I didn't realize just how cool. Uh, the content on your channel actually is because you know what bro you if I was a young creator Looking to learn about the business and looking to like you know how to write a story how to find an artist how it all works I Would definitely be checking out your channel for that info man uh, yeah, But so that was the plan that was honestly the plan. I was like man there, There's no channel. That's really like this. Let me teach young people who want to start comics, how to make comics. Like there's, I just felt like there was, and so I was like, let me, let me attempt to do this. And I still, I'm still, that's the, still the goal for the channel. So how, how's that all been going? I mean, um, I know you got questions for me, but you know, let's just talk, <laughs> talk about, uh, your channel just for a little bit, man. Uh, how's that been going? You know, I, I've been watching, uh, you know, sometimes you do it from your car. Sometimes you're doing it from home. Uh, but you know, you, you you've had some guests on the last couple of days. You guys were talking about politics and comics, which is a hot button topic right now. I mean, kind of kind of give me the the brief rundown on it all lately. Yeah. So, the channel first started as like me trying to just be like, hey, I'm like the comic making guru. I know how to do everything. And by like ten videos in, I realized, you know, I really don't know everything, and I need to start. Um, I need, I need to start learning from other people. And so I started reaching out to other like indie creators and getting on, on them on the show. And we talk about one specific topic and we still do. Um, and then it's there for me to learn. And it's also there for other people to learn. And then um, I reached out to Brian Hill. He um, he's writing Batman and the outsiders right now. And um, that, that really helped my channel as having a pro comic book uh, writer come on and then subsequently, I had like Heather Antos, John Malin, um, and I've reached out to like other pros. They don't really get back to me, but the channel's there to help people make comics. So if you're wanting to make comics, please like check out my channel. That's what it's all about. Um, and the nice thing is, you know, I might not get like I have like a nice little niche of like you know I'll get like a set twenty or thirty people who will watch each episode. Um, the nice thing is that. I'll have random people though who who will watch a random episode, not like one of the newer ones, and then they'll like find me on Instagram or Twitter, and then they'll engage me like, "Hey, I have a question, and um, what should I do about this?" And I find that uh, I have a I'm slowly building a community of people who are wanting to make comics and 
wanting to start making comics. And that's really what the, the goal of the show is to show that everyone can make comics. Let me show you how I'm someone who's just a right, who wanted to just write comic books. And, um, because I couldn't afford an artist, I decided to learn how to start drawing. I started teaching myself how to draw and now I can, now I draw people's comic books. I also write my own comic books. So it just goes to show that anyone can make comics. What's the projects uh, that you're working on right now? Like, what have you done in, uh, like, you know, comic book wise, and what is, you know, coming up? Okay. Well, um, October first, um, October first, I'm starting my Kickstarter for Demons Volume One. It's 122 pages. Um, it's gonna be uh, that was actually, you know, that was the first that um, issue one. I came on your show to show off issue one. You did three years ago. So now we're putting the we're putting. I have 15 issues of that comic. We're going to do them all in vol three volumes, starting with volume one in October 1st. Um, so that comes out. I'm also working. I just finished an eight-page, uh, drawing an eight-page story with Todd Black for the Kayfabe anthology. It's like a wrestling anthology. Nice. Um, there's a Faith an anthology that I'm part of. I'm drawing it with um, writer Ari Alexander. And then I'm also drawing um, a a three issue series each issue is 40 pages called undead row with west Noddell. and it's a it was originally supposed to be a like an indie tv movie uh and he pitched the script to some people and it won an award and then he decided to make it into a comic book so um, hey man it's keeping yeah. you busy right i am super busy that's why that's why after like this this video that we're making right now this this talk that we're having i'm only going to be doing like probably one video a week and it maybe two like lately i've been doing like three or four videos a week and it's been burning me out so probably going to be doing one or two videos a week starting um starting soon well i'll tell you as a creator of comics and a person that likes to do youtube it, it, you know doing the live youtube stuff uh is addicting to me and I get what you're saying that sometimes you need to prioritize your time to, to fit everything in. We have a couple of people in the chat. We have Miss Hustle who's in the chat, and we have the Wonk, uh, otherwise known as Wonky Ninja. And Wonky Ninja may have been on the show. He, he was. Yeah, I think he was. So Wonk, uh, it's funny how things come back full circle, eh, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> but the demons, man. Yeah, I remember checking it out, and I'm glad that you're, you know, you're, that's getting on Kickstarter. Um, I know you got questions for me, but let me ask the first. Let me open the door to this conversation. Let's do uh, it. Is there a reason for Kickstarter and not Indiegogo or vice versa with you? Do you? Because I know you've done politics and comic books. Do you think that the politics extend to the crowdfunding platforms? Um, you know, I I think a month ago I would have said no, but I I do want to say I'm gonna say yes because um. Every, so right now you can say Indiegogo is kind of leaning more like right right and kickstarter is leaning towards left and people will disagree with me but if you look at the president of the kick of kickstarter who's who is in charge of the comics book division she puts out um in like the trending like the what we're reading section on kickstarter for comics it's it's very um left-wing comic books which is fine I've, i backed a couple of them um, but you can tell that, that, that the books that are on Indiegogo, they just wouldn't fit right in Kickstarter, I guess right now. And so I chose Kickstarter just cause this is one, my first crowdfunded project ever. I've never done a crowdfund. I think I've seen a lot of people do Kickstarter. And one thing I do like about Kickstarter is the all or nothing mentality. Yeah. Um, in Indiegogo, you could, you know, only raise 50 bucks out of your thousand goal and still 
be like, okay, I'm going to produce the book. And there's something about saying, no, like this has to be funded. Otherwise we're not doing it. It gives people a sense of urgency. Like, oh, I got, I need to support this book to help make it get made. Well, on top of that, like, you know, if I ran a, an Indiegogo and I didn't do the all or nothing option, because it is an option in there now, but let's say I made, you know, the $50 out of my thousand. Well, $50 isn't enough to make, you know, anything. So who's to say I'm not going to pocket the 50 bucks and go, oh, you know what? No book. You know what I mean? So whoever actually did believe in your project kind of gets left empty handed and minus $50 later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But also, but with Indiegogo, you can't, you're not allowed to do another um indiegogo project until you've given your backers their their, their yeah, until you've done your fulfillment right exactly so like that 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 could that could screw you over that could screw you over well sure i mean uh anyone can burn the bridge once and it's good that they have a policy in place like that like if you try it again you burn our bridge we're not going to let you come back that is something i actually didn't know i just learned something there but Tyler, this is your show, honestly. Uh, so I'm going to flip the switch to you. And uh, by all means, man, anything you want to ask me, ask me. And guys in the chat, if you want to ask me something, ask. And if you want to ask Tyler something, ask. Uh, we're both here for you. Yeah, man. Well, one thing that I have noticed, so when I, I remember when I first came on to like the indie comic book scene, um, I remember, I remember seeing your book. I remember I was like, wow, this is a guy who knows how to make comics. He's, he's, uh, I think you, <laughs> I think you <laughs> had just finished your second, uh, Niobe Kickstarter. Um, and it was funded and I was like, wow. And then I did that pinup for you and I'd never drawn a woman before. And I spent like a day trying to model myself as a woman to get that pinup. Right. And, I just remember being like, you know, Larry knows what he's doing, but I've also, but so, and that was three years ago. And so I've seen, I, I've seen you sometimes get flack for the work. I mean, so I'd love to ask, like, how do you deal with people when they're saying, you know, Niobe is like way too sexual? Like, what do you like say? What do you say to that? Uh, besides giving out the middle finger uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm joking. You know, uh, my philosophy is this, uh, everyone to each their own, right? Uh, there's a huge market for, for sexy covers. There's always has been in comics from the time I remember start collecting them anyway. You know, I've been big fans of things like Witchblade and Lady Death and Dark Child, you know, and Evangeline and, you know, a lot of stuff that Top Cow was doing, a lot of stuff Michael Turner was doing, you know, with Aspen and, and things of that nature. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Heavy Metal Magazine and the pinup art you would find in there or fantasy art. So I never saw anything wrong with it to begin with. Uh, and I still don't. My advice is, you know, if you don't like it, and you know, and this this goes down the board with anything. You know, if you don't like it, don't watch. It. If you don't like it, don't buy it. it, it it's that simple, you know. Uh, but don't don't put my neck in a noose for it. Just let me do my thing. And if it's not your thing, that's cool. There's lots of things in comic books that aren't my thing, and I leave them be. And I and I concentrate on, on my stuff. But I do, you know, the attacks haven't been so bad lately. They were really bad during Niobe number two. Um, I, you know, I had a cosplayer walk out on me because, you know, she found feminism and then accused me of being a misogynist and, and a sexist. I said, look, if this isn't your thing anymore, feel free to walk. And she took me up on my offer and she walked. And that's, that's what you can do these days though. Like, I don't know why I feel like people are like, if I don't like it, no one, no one should be able to see this. And it's like, no, we live in a great time of the world where if you don't like something, you can find something else that you like and there will be other people who like what you don't like. Just let leave them be. Yeah, you know, and you know, 
I, I'm not like a big name, so I, I don't get attacked like constantly. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's, it's not like I'm Frank Cho or Milo Monero and I drew that Spider Woman cover that caused all that controversy. You know, I'm, I'm not those guys. In fact, I don't draw any of the covers. I give direction to R.B. White or whoever's doing the cover, and they try and put together what I visualize. Uh, but, you know, that's what these guys do. You know, they, they, they draw sexy. But if anyone ever opened up a Niobe comic, they would see that there's, you know, yeah, she's a good-looking girl. But there's story and substance in there. I remember – I'll tell you a story. I was at the Calgary Fan Expo, and this kind of snotty woman will walk by. And you could just tell she was just there to sneer at everything. And she walks by the table. And she looks down, she sees the sexy covers, and she kind of gives me that look, and she looks at me, and she looks at the covers, and she goes, everything's just a friggin' porno around here. And I looked <laughs> at her, and I go, you know, she's seen all these hot girls and cosplay and all this other stuff, right? So I go, well, have you ever read an issue of Niobe? Okay, you know, I'm going to challenge her, right? What do you actually know about this, you know? She looks down, again, at the comic, she looks at me, she looks at the comic, and she goes, no, and I don't need to either, and she walks off. You know, um, it, there's the old saying about, yes, you can judge a book by its cover, right? Um, but you, you really shouldn't. You know, we make covers because we want, you know, because they're nice covers to catch the eye. There's a certain demographic that's really into that, you know. And uh, But if they open the book, hopefully they'll see that there's character and story and plot being developed. And it isn't like just a girl running around with tits. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's Well, I've read issues one and two of Niobe. And yeah, it's got they've got sexy covers. But that's not like who Niobe is. Like she's someone who's who's helping people. Like she's got a really good story arc that you've created. And yeah, people are judging the book by its cover, but open open the inside the book, and it's a book full of substance. And I think people need to like start, you know, judging the book by the cover. But the book, but the cover helps it. I mean, sure. I mean, let's look at issue one. For those that haven't read issue one, issue one's about a teen who is a big fan of Niobe because Niobe's kind of like a rock star, and he gets bullied for it. Okay, because the other teens, you know, they kind of make fun. of It's like you know, being like a headbanger in school, and you like Britney Spears. Okay. <laughs> It's kind of like those same lines. And so he gets made fun of it to the point where this evil spirit's picking up on his negative energy and it's influencing him, and he's almost going to commit suicide. In fact, he even makes the attempt and is saved by Niobe. Tell me where the sex is in that. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's none. I think if any, I think the most – was it issue two? She's on a beach? Issue three, yeah. Yeah, that's issue three. Okay, I just saw the, the preview art. But, like, who, who doesn't go on a beach? There's nothing sexual about a beach. It's a beach. She was there for a photo shoot, and what we did was we took like we did some like a fan art sort of contest, right? Draw some fan art uh, with you know your best Niobe, you know, in, in in a sexy you know bathing suit, and we'll we'll take those and we'll put them in the book. And the way we did it was she was doing a photo shoot, and to simulate the photo shoot, we put those pages in the middle, right? So here's her doing all these poses, and then. Uh, once that was done, then we went right back into the story once the photo shoot was over. So when it says swimsuit issue, I think people get this wrong idea. Of, like you remember back in the 90s, Marvel would do these swimsuit issues and, and stuff like that. And it'd be just like pinups, pinups, pinups all the way through the book, right? Um, we had that. We had pinups, but we also had like, you know, I think like pretty much like an 18-page story uh, in there too. So I think uh, ultimately though, one thing that I just do like and I and I issue this creed this creed to like all people who are wanting to make comics is just make the comics that you're interested in in reading i mean that's one thing i do i like that you you've stuck around creating um niobe because she's the kind of character and comic book 
that you personally want to read. And, and one thing that I kind of don't, I don't like about the, about the indie comic scene is a lot of people are like, I've got to create a comic book that other people are going to want to read. And it's like, no, like make a comic book that you want to read and the quality will show if you're, if you're personally invested in it. Well, look, I'll, I'll tell you this passion is infectious, right? Uh, if I'm watching a creator, say you, or say Kevin, who I talked to the other day, and they're just passionate about what they do. Like that man was passionate about Galaxial, right? You know, an hour and a half, me and him last night talked about crack and print and his book. And when someone is so excited about what they're doing, you, that that catches on. You know, and you can read that vibe when someone really is believing. So if someone is making something that they think that they just want other people to read, and they're not so much into it themselves, they're just kind of you know going through the motions. You know, that that's easy to pick up on. But when someone is like, "Yo, God, man, I can't wait to get this story out in the yard. It's so awesome," and they're just the, that high energy level, you know, you, you can pick up on that right away. And I think pe people pick up on that with Niobe, you know, and that's why it's been able to last, uh, you know, these like three, four years. And that's why it's still continuing to grow. You know, we have Paul Green, you know, big time artist, man, uh, does a lot of work for Zenoscope, a lot of exclusive covers, that sort of stuff, very much like a J. Scott Campbell sort of stuff. He's done the variant cover for our issue five. Ula Moss, great artist in all right, also well-known colorist, does a lot of work again for like Zenoscope and, you know, Coffin Comics and stuff like that. Is doing the colors for that cover man it's it's going to be dynamite so you know um we're, we're growing and you know we also have a spin-off comic now we have avani the villain from issue two is getting her own little one shot and if that does well we might continue with it and then i have like this other book i've been dreaming of that i'm just trying to put the right team together for called angel elite which is and it's all gonna be in a shared universe i'm making my own like marvel universe if you will man and i'm pumped and i i you know, I never thought I would get beyond issue one. Now I'm working on issue five and a Bonnie Origins number one and, you know, drafting up this Angel Elite project. Plus, you know, uh, you know, the convention appearances locally also ran a con, uh, plus the YouTube stuff and everything else that kind of happens on the side, dude. It's, it's, it's a fun time in comics right now. No, it's true. So like, um, so we got, I got, I see a question that the Wonk has put, where do you start when you think about comics as a writer or artist? And, I actually kind of want to twist that question um, since you brought up that you're creating. Well, that question's for you. Oh, well, I'll, I'll answer it. I also, I also have, I also want to get your take. Um, um, I guess I'll, I'll answer it. Then I'll ask you, I have a specific question on that for you. I was thinking right. about, um, but where awesome. do I start when I think about comics um, as a writer or artist? Um, I think for me, it's always about an idea. I always start with the idea of kind of like a message that I want to convey um, or like a theme. So right now, I, I forgot to plug this as well, but I'm working on a webcomic called The Hardline, and like a page and a half or two comes out every single Friday on Webtoons. It's a, it's a crime comic, and that's kind of like the comic that I'm writing and drawing. That's currently my baby right now, and when I when I think about that that story, I think of the theme that I want, and the theme is really about family, um, betrayal, and kind of, uh, it's called The Hardline because it's, you know, where does... Where, do, where does each character's moral standing lie? So I, I start with that, and after that, I build the characters, and then I build, I think about the ending. I kind of th think where I, like what I want the characters to have gone through and like come out with, and then after that, I create all the problems, and then I create the beginning. I kind of, kind of work backwards. And then when I do the, since I'm doing the art with that, 
I, I, pra- I practice with the style I want to do first. Um, so I did, uh, I did, I did, I called for writers to on YouTube actually to, to comment below on the video that I posted, um, um, a pitch, a two sentence pitch story. And I would pick three writers from there and I draw, I would draw their two page pitches. And that's how I figured out the style for that particular comic book. And their stories were part of the, that world. So when I use those stories to hone my art style for that book so that now that's, that's the, that's the style I'm doing. And if I do a superhero book, I'll do the same thing. I'll put out a call for writers and say, Hey, two page pitch story. I'll pick three of you. I'll then I'll practice my style and that'll be the style for that, for that particular book. Um, so that's how I think about it. Comics as an artist. Um, but one thing I've been thinking about though, is creating a universe that that hardline it's, it's, I built it as it could be a universe of, of it's all about this one city edge city. And I like how you said that you started with Niobe, you're starting to build her universe. And one thing that I like is that you have, first established Niobe as her own character and you you've established Avani as her own character and that you're and you're and as and you're going to do a one shot and you're going to slowly build it up into a bigger universe what are your what do you think indie comic writers um fail at when they try to create their own universe what do you think that they struggle with when they try to create their own comic universe much too soon um they want they, you know, and this is just of like you know me generalizing, okay? Like this isn't every indie creator or, or whatever, but I, I I think people put the dream before the reality, right? Um, you know, I, I see a lot of people that dream big, but little follow through. I see people that you know have all these cool ideas and things that they want to do, but they need to get to step one before they get to step ten. And a lot of people are trying to get to step ten. And skips, you know, steps two, three, four, five, six, etc. Uh, I always knew I was going to do an expanded universe sort of thing with Niobe, a sense of like, you know, I, I mean, I'm a role player. I've, I've made these characters since I was 16 years old. You know, Rob Liefeld, I remember him saying, you know, I got a hundred of these in my head. You know, talking about Deadpool, Cable, and Domino, and all these characters he's created. Uh, I'm the same way. I got about a hundred of these in my head, if not more. They just need the right time to come out. The biggest holdback to me is money <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, if i every, had every comic creators hold up right right no but if i had the money i have no problem writing those stories but it's the money to have someone draw them because i'm not an artist so i can't draw my own stories and you know ladies and gentlemen art is not cheap by by any means if you're gonna have someone like a tyler carpenter here <laughs> or someone else draw your story they need to be compensated for their time and effort you know and so um Money is the biggest holdback I, I find for myself personally trying to get this out there. But I'm glad it's kind of a holdback in the sense that it does give me time to kind of, you know, get Niobe established. Now we're going to establish Avani and we're going to weave this web. Uh, it just, ta- you know, my, my regret is that it's taking too long. Um, but if I have more money, then I could have like two artists instead of one artist, you know, because right now Steve Boyu is like handling you know, the chores of doing Avani right now. And if we don't find someone for the next Niobe book, he's going to have to handle that too. You know what I mean? Plus he's doing a full-time job. Plus he's looking after a handicapped sister. Plus anything else that life throws at him. You know, a lot of people don't understand that 
uh, what we do here on this is things that we do on the side. And because you do it on the side, it takes much, much more longer to complete. Even guys that are working for like Action Lab or, or, or something like that, you know, like, you know, a comic book company that's on the shelves in your shop, but maybe a little smaller. A lot of these guys, man, have day jobs. Um, just because they're published doesn't mean they're rich, doesn't mean they're rocking it, and it doesn't mean it's a full-time job. For some of them, it is. But for a lot of them, it, it is, especially on the writer side of things, you know, because artists are a lot more in demand than, than than writers are. You know, writers are a dime a dozen, but to find a good artist, that's a that's a gem, you know. No, it's true. One thing that I like what you said was about like indie creators is they want to jump. They kind of want to jump the gun. I I just did a video last week. It's called the, it's like the three things you can learn indie writers can learn from the MCU indie writers they want to jump the gun and go straight to in infinity war right and they're and and i mean dc did the same thing with their justice league movie they want they went straight to their justice league movie and they should have spent like years with like putting out more solo content of their characters and a lot of you know because infinity war you know you watch that movie and you're like oh this is a great movie i want to write a story like this and people forget that, you know, this story is only good because there was 10 years of other stories prior to it. And how yeah. long did it take to get there? What, eight to 10 years? You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And that all started from this little movie called Iron Man 1, which no one gave any time or credit to, thought it was going to fail. But hey, why not give it a try? It was a, essentially a B-list character for Marvel because they had sold off all the rights to the X-Men and Fantastic Four to Fox and Sony, Spider-Man included. And they had very little left to make their own movies with. But you know what? They took a character like Iron Man, uh, and they built an entire franchise around it. It was incredible what they did. And I think uh, indie creators can do the same thing. Like, focus, like on your one, focus on your one character. Develop that character. Create stories around that character. Grow a fan base around that character, and tell a good story so that you can then build that build that universe that that you want but it's not gonna come overnight and it's not gonna you're not gonna throw out infinity war as your first book it's just it's not gonna do well and i don't know something like that i think and i like what you brought up as well with like you know being on the indie scene this stuff costs money like the biggest thing that hurts me as an indie creator is is time and money i don't have um if i have a story i want to write and draw that's a huge chunk of my time, but then I also want to make money. So I draw for other people's books, which means I can't draw my own book. Right. And if I, and if I want to pay another artist, I have to pay them with my money. And it's just, it's time and money. It's how do you, how do you manage that? Like, yeah, like you said, I have tons of characters and I have tons of worlds I want to build. I just don't have the, I don't have the money to like pay. If I could, I'd pay like 10 different artists working on, you know, eight like 10 different books and then like once a year they'd all and then like every like two years i'd pay that one artist to bring all the characters into one big year-long book yeah you know um the money is the biggest achilles heel it, it you know it it takes about anywhere from three thousand to five thousand dollars from conception to finished product to put one of these things together that includes uh you know your penciling your lettering you're, you know, if you're doing colors, uh, you know, if you're having different sorts of variant covers, you have to pay those various artists to do those variants for you. You know, if you're any sort of promotional material, prints and stuff like that. Um, and that's not including what it costs to ship it or, or print it, <laughs> you know, like, 
everything costs money on this in this indie scene and a lot of a lot of people when they come in they think it's gonna be all like happy like like my biggest pet peeve is when i see a kickstarter and it's just like someone's like hey i have this idea like pay me five thousand dollars and i'm gonna make it and it's like you gotta put in the you gotta put a little more work than that i mean like i people think oh tyler you're just now putting out your first kickstarter and it's like no i just spent my i just spent the last three years funding 15 issues of demons out of my own pocket so that i can now put it on kickstarter right and you know kickstarter is never a guarantee but i'll I'll tell you this though um right now whether it's kickstarter or indiegogo whatever which way you want to go to get your comics i would suggest people look at both and find what you like but right now crowdfunding in general is on fire it's on fire right now uh i, I you know books that i would see normally make four thousand or five thousand dollars on kickstarter are now doing twenty five to thirty thousand dollars okay uh these books on indiegogo that you know we, we can't deny it we have to kind of mention it at least a little bit you know we have like, to Cyber Frog and Jawbreakers and, and those titles that, that are coming out from those guys. Half a million dollars. How can you not ignore that? I mean, that, that has to be noted, you know? So right now, crowdfunding's on fire. Um, I, I, I think, you know, there's a stronger fan base that goes to Indiegogo just because there's like that movement. But you, you see it in Kickstarter right now as well. I mean, the highest one on Kickstarter right now has got to be Brian Polito's Lady Death, right? And so he's done what, twenty eight hundred? Uh, sorry, uh, almost three hundred thousand dollars on on his Kickstarter, and he was like the king, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and still is the king, you know, uh, of comic books on Kickstarter. You know, when Coffin Comics puts out stuff, whether it's La Murda or or Lady Death or the other title I know he's got coming out, they kill it, man. They kill. It. He he works with people like Stanley Archer and Lau. You know, he works with Colette Turner. He works with Paul Green. You know, this, you know, he, this guy, you know, man, that's why I'm saying that if you don't like what's on the shelf, go Indiegogo, go Kickstarter, find something you like, man. Cause not only are you like, you know, probably going to get a really cool product by some of the top tier people in this industry. Cause a lot of people are there now. Um, you know, you're helping someone fund their dream and, and make that a reality. And that alone, you know, is a pretty cool thing to do. And like you can grow a following on Kickstarter if you put the work in. I remember when Badassical number one came out. Mm-hmm. Not, not a lot of people like were like really there as much as probably he the creator would have wanted to. Now he's putting out Badassical number four, and like that comic is super funded. Right, and that's one of the examples I'm actually talking about. And for those that don't know, I actually have Badassical right here in my hand because it happened to be right beside me. Funny that Tyler mentioned that particular comic. I actually have. A pile of indie comics right by uh, my feet in a box that I've gotten from Kickstarters or bought directly off of people at conventions by going up to their table and getting their book. But this book here is written by John Fleming, uh, beautiful art by Colette Turner, and yeah, they're rocking it on Kickstarter. You know, they're about what 30, uh, 30 grand, or yeah. you know, and they live here in my city. <laughs> you know, so um, if, if people from small town nowhere Canada can do this, sky's the limit, man. And just also, you know, just build build your audience. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Russell Noherty's like book. He always has to get like over a hundred thousand. He always gets around like three hundred thousand for his books. Crazy. And, and it's it's crazy. And it's because people think, oh, he didn't do. He just got lucky. It's like, no, you gotta you gotta put in the work. Uh, it's it's a lot of work. You know, I'm 
I didn't know it was this much work. I'm doing my first Kickstarter right now. And I'm I'm like, holy crap. I needed there's so much to do before it launches. There, it's gonna be so much to do while it launches. And the goal is super small. It's only a thousand dollars. And I'm I'm just like fingers crossing I make it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when I did my first Kickstarter, I had no idea what I was getting into, man. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> and, and had I known, right, I may not have done it. <laughs> I didn't know how much money it was going to take. I didn't know, uh, you know, how harsh the shipping was going to be. I had no idea how hard it was going to be for me to find a local printer, you know, and then, you know, for them to screw up my comic book 10 times before we got it right, you know. So um, now I'm looking at Crake and Print or Crack and Print to do Avani, and I think they're worth plugging because these are creators just like us. Who know the ins and outs of making these books, and I think they'll do a fantastic job with it. So now I'm look, I'm looking towards them as well. Like they gave me a like I I talked to Kevin, and I was like, hey, what's uh, you know I had done I checked out Kablam, I've done Kablam before, checked yeah, out print. comics, did comics Wellspring, and he gave me the quote, and I was like, holy crap, like that's great. No, if, if if these things come to pass, that'd be that'd be excellent. So I told Kevin, I said, listen, I you know I'm gonna get my quote from you, and I did. Uh, I'm gonna make some adjustments to what I need, and once I get the final quote, if it's cheaper than than what I get right now, and that's got to be after shipping. If it's still cheaper than what I'm getting right now, then I'm gonna run with them. But I'm also going to evaluate the entire process, and I'm gonna evaluate it live. Meaning, if they screw up, I'm gonna come on here and say they screwed up. But if they do me well, I'm gonna come on here and praise them too. Like mm -hmm. I told them, you're under the microscope with me. I want to see if this is exactly what it's cut out to be, because if I'm putting my name on this and if I'm going to praise you guys, um, yeah, don't make me look bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I feel the same way. I've, I've done Kablam. I, I think, I, I think their quality is great. I just, I find them very slow and unresponsive. I did comics wellspring for another, like a one shot comic book. They were great. They did it in two weeks. I like their pricing, but now, you know, crack and print, you know, if, if their deal is as good as they say, I want to see the quality of that book, and I'll I'll do the same thing with you. I'll 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 get on YouTube and I'll I'll rip my book in front of them and be like, "You guys screwed me over." <laughs> I, I I don't think they will though. I mean, when you see the the names that are involved with that, Bob, Sally, and Kevin, and stuff, I'm like I, I got you know very uh, high hopes for them. In the chat, we have Brian Spaceboy two two seven here. He says, "What's up?" We have Vincenzo C in the house. He says, "Evening, gentlemen," and we have Miss Hustlers, and she says. Uh, everyone's got to start somewhere, and now with the internet, anything is possible. You can meet anybody along the way. Uh, I mean, imagine you know if we didn't have the internet, Tyler, we'd be like you know having to go to New York and like work in like a little office, you know, like the bullpen, <laughs> and you know do our things. But now, like let's say I want to work with you, you know, it, it's a simple matter of a Facebook message and maybe a, a video conversation, and we got something rocking, you know, like and like we like we probably if the, without the internet, let's be real, we probably wouldn't even met. No. Like where there's, there's, there's no way kind of bringing this though. I have to, I have to go soon. So I'd like to ask you one real one, one last question. And it kind of goes, kind of goes with what Miss Hustle asked said Sure. You, with, with the internet and like uh, you're able to like grow an audience with the internet. Have you ever thought about doing a web comic? It was suggested to me that Niobe started as a webcomic by Marvel artist Nick Bradshaw, who lives here in the city. He says, you should do a webcomic, and that's how you should get your name out there. And I really didn't want to do a webcomic. I wanted something that I could have and hold in my hand, something that I could bring to conventions, and something I can sell at shops. In retrospect, maybe a webcomic might have been the way to go, but Niobe would not have been the title for that. You know what I mean? 
you know, I would have come up with a different idea, something that I could do like a daily strip on. And if I could draw it myself, then even better. But, you know, to pay someone to do a webcomic and not make any money from it was kind of deterrent from, from that idea, you know? So one thing, one thing like for me, so I kind of like felt the same way, but I decided for my crime comic, the Hardline, I do it as a web comic. Then once issue one was done, um, I, I, I printed it and I sell it at cons. Um, and then be, I don't know, because I don't know, because of it, I've, I've garnered almost 500 weekly subscribers on webtoons and they'll like they'll comment they'll 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 read the story and i guess i'm guess i'm going for the long game i'm really hoping because i've never done a web comic except for this i'm really hoping that once the story is done they'll all come for that big kickstarter yeah well i mean one possible idea that i could do is i can put up niobe number one as a web comic just like release a couple pages at a time get people mm -hmm. interested in the story because it's been out now for a few years right like uh, the people that bought it pretty much bought it, you know, at least locally. Um, and, you know, people on Kickstarter always offer the old issues up on Kickstarter. So anyone that has it, you know, that wants it's pretty much had it. So I don't think I would ruin anything if I put it up as a webcomic now because it's already established. And then that might drive people into wanting, you know, two, three, four, and now five when it comes out. Yeah. But, you know, webcomic is very interesting, you know, because I want to make money from it. I mean, if I'm putting my money in, I want to at least get my money back or break even. And I'll tell you something. Uh, Niobe 4 Kickstarter was the only time I broke even. <laughs> uh, oh, all the other three, I, I lost money, right? Niobe number four, I felt like, okay, you know, we actually, this is actually paid for itself in full. That's very cool. I'm happy. You know, if I can get that, I'm fine. If I get like a $10,000 Kickstarter, dude, I'm going to like fucking happy dance all over the place. You know? <laughs> I don't expect that. But even though that's kind of like the landscape where things are right now, you know, when you look at Colette's book and stuff, and, and I don't compare Niobe to them because they're so much better than I am. But um, those things are possible right now. They're very possible. And it depends on the work you put in. And I'll hopefully over the four years that I've been doing this, at least I hope I've built up at least somewhat of a rep and a fan base to hopefully, you know, get that out there. My only problem is I don't know if I'm doing an Egogo. I don't know if I'm doing Kickstarter. I don't know if I'm doing both. Like, I don't know. I want to go... Honestly, where where I think my fan base would be, and honestly, where I'm going to make the most money from. No, it's 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 true, and that's why I you know I was thinking you know, a lot of people they say you know the you got to make comics for the passion, and it's true. But when I create when I, I when I was setting up this Kickstarter, I've always had in mind, you know, I don't I already made the comic. I, the passion's already in there at this point. It's been out. Demons One has been out for almost three years, and now at this point, want to see if I can make some. Some some money off of it. Um, I put out the first two issues on Webtoons for free, and I got like 200 subscribers. And hope and and hopefully then though they'll come to the Kickstarter. We'll like we'll see. It's just one of those. Yeah, I, where's the fan base? Where where's the the money to be made? Well, this is one advice uh, piece of advice I would give to um, a would be creator. Know what your demographic is, right? Um, and I still don't know what Niobe's demographic is. Sometimes I think it's like guys who like sexy covers. But you know what? A lot of times I'm selling this book to women and like, you know, trans uh, transgender people. And it's weird, like the people that want this book. So I, I'm still trying to figure out who my target audience is, you know? No, that, that that's big. That, that's that's true. That's something to think about. Well, hey, man, thanks so much for uh, this. Was like like me, you, you on my show, uh, me having you on, like – like you having me on. Thanks for having us do this.
Yeah, it's kind of weird. Technically, boys and girls, this is Tyler's show. He'll be uploading this to his channel on, on Friday. But I thought, why not go live with it? And maybe we can get some interaction out of it. And, uh, you know, I can benefit from it a little bit too by having this up on my channel. I look very forward to seeing your, you know, your edited version and, and what you do with it. But Tyler, um, 30 minutes isn't enough for me, brother. I, I got to tell you that you are welcome to come back here. And I would like to continue uh, conversation when you have the free time. No, for sure. You know, you've actually opened my eyes on something. I never, I don't, I don't. I've never, I've only gone live once, but I'm kind of seeing the benefit of here. This is cool that there's like this chat. This is cool that there's people watching. Yep. Um, this is, I'm going to have to like start considering doing this. So after you go live, what happens is this will automatically upload to YouTube anyway, right? Yeah. And then when it does, you can actually take that file from YouTube, download it, do your edits and re-upload it if you want, or just oh, leave no. it. You know? that's, well, that's what I'm doing right now. It's, it's, technically live on facebook but no one can actually watch it i'll then in creator studio download it and then i'll put like my intro music on it and like the title screen and I, that's all the edits i really do on it and then i'll re-upload it but i'm kind of liking this whole live thing that's cool live is like so this much fun i mean anything can happen but honestly um with obs i could do intro music i could put in graphics on the fly and i can do it live like you know what i mean you just have to be very careful with it that you don't mess up, you know, because you're, you're, you're multitasking when you do it like this. Like, you know, when like I can switch the screen to like my camera to your camera back and forth. I can put up my little icon. I can put up the sub screen. I can do a variety of things. Uh, but you have to be very careful. If you want to make it look sleek and professional, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. I've been, yeah. Whenever I watch your stuff, I'm like, how is he like, managing all that stuff so yeah i'm gonna have to think about it but hey everyone keep uh keep uh subscribing to uh larry's channel i want you guys to back it um to back niobe when it comes out or just buy the book off of him because it's freaking awesome he was one of the first creators i talked to who gave me a chance so subbed like if you're new sub to him and listen i got tyler's uh link in the chatter box it's also in the description go over to his channel give him a sub and consider you know uh backing demons on kickstarter because i'll tell you something when it goes live tyler's gonna send me the link it's gonna be all over my my facebook and i guarantee you i'll, I'll, I'll come live and we'll have a look at at his uh at his, at his book i mean i've already read the first issue so as wonky so we, we can tell you it's good <laughs> you know? hey man thanks so much for having me oh by the way gene paul ace peters in the house he says he subbed to you he just subbed up so there you go oh, thank you so much thank you so much thanks guys Bye. Peace we'll let out. Tyler go. Peace out, Tyler. Thanks uh, for everything. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Larry's an awesome guy. I want you to check out his channel. The link is down below, like I said in, the, in that stream. He was one of the very first creators that gave me um, a chance to draw something, to uh, get that on a published book. He also had me on his YouTube show, um, the original one, before he deleted it. So he's a super awesome guy. I'm going to chat with him more. And, uh, hey, maybe I'll do some more live videos. I don't know. So... Um, yeah, I was, it was a great conversation. I love the guy. He's freaking awesome. He's always supported me. I continue to support him. And yeah, everything's great. So thanks, guys, for watching. And uh, episode 50. Episode 50 is changing everything. So uh, thanks, guys, for watching. Thanks for listening to another episode of Draw and Talk. Hit the subscribe button, like, and comment. And once again, thanks for supporting me. You guys rock.